Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Top of the morning to you guys. It's great being back here with you. I was here four weeks ago when you guys uh, first moved in here to Horizon High, and uh, I really enjoyed not only being with you, but the churros and the truck that was here serving them. And my biggest disappointment of the week was driving up here this morning, and there were no churros out there. Uh, But uh, I will recover from all of it. Uh, it It is such a joy because there has been a small group of us that began imagining five years ago a brand new expression, spiritual expression and spiritual family here in Horizon West. And to see what God has done now with all the people that were here in the earlier service this morning, as well as you guys. And we know we're just getting started with all of it. But here, let me tell you why I'm most excited about Horizon West Church and your participation in it here. You, in the next few months and the next number of years, are going to help make Christ more visible in this community than ever before. I love the language of John, the message translation, John 1, referring to Jesus. And he said, and the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That's exactly who Horizon West is all about. And so that's why I'm just really jazzed uh, that you're a part of all this. So let me begin this morning just by asking you, when someone uses the word God, or when you're trying to describe who God is, what do you normally naturally think, or how would you articulate him? Would you articulate him as someone that's always grumpy, he's angry, he's never satisfied? Do you describe him more as this loving, unconditional presence? What is that? So let me tell you how I grew up viewing God. Uh, I grew up believing that God was this mysterious person or presence that created me. I kind of was told that he loved me, but I also viewed God as he was sitting on a throne alone by himself, making a list, checking it twice, and he's going to find out who's naughty and nice, okay? So this was kind of the image of God that I had growing up. He's like, he's always alone, sitting on the throne. He never seems to be satisfied. And he gets very upset when you and I don't get it right. Can I tell you, Jesus shows up and he goes, that is not who your heavenly father is whatsoever. And redefined for people at that very important moment in time, what was most true. When you and I think about all of this, the reason why it's important is because how we view God is a direct correlation to how we view ourselves, how we view other people, how we view the world around us. That's why it's so important. So in the next few moments, let me just try to help you have a further imagination, holy imagination about the nature of God and then how it's a part of the DNA that you and I walked in here with and we walk around with every single day of our lives. I know the last few weeks you've been in this series called Ford, and and Chris has been doing a fantastic job of trying to help uh, envision us around 
We want to move forward. There's something new that God wants to do in and through this church and in and through this community and beyond. But at the same time, I would suggest to you, if we want to move forward, we also need to go backwards, back to the very beginning and go, what is this whole thing all about? And if you think that your origin is found in Adam or Adam and Eve, I will tell you, you're not going far enough back. Your origin and mine is found in the very one, your identity, your destiny is found in the very one that set all of this in motion. So here's the beginning of authentic community we see over in Genesis 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or on your devices, you can turn them on. Uh, You probably won't have to look in the table of contents to find the book of Genesis, all right? Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. (laughs) Right off the bat, here in verse 1, It says, and God created. The Hebrew word for God there is Elohim. It literally refers to a plurality of people. Right off the bat, day one, verse one, what's revealed to us about this person that's created us and loved us is that he's in community with some other people. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. All of a sudden, we move from a creator God to now there's a Spirit of God that's hovering over the waters. And then another expression of God shows up. And then God said, here comes the word, let there be light, and there was light. So the first time God is mentioned in Scripture and then is demonstrated just in the first couple of verses, it says, there is one being that consist of three distinct persons, but they are so tight, they are so unified in relationship, it's just like they are one, which is a part of the portrait and picture God wants to insert in every single one of our lives. Now, in the early part of Christianity, uh, the first couple of hundred years after the time of Christ, they were grappling with, the early church fathers and mothers were grappling with, how can we describe this, this mystery of this community of God? There is one, and yet there are these three distinct persons that are involved with all of it. And so they adopted the word, it's a Latin word called perichoresis, that means the divine circle of dance. And so it was kind of imagined like this, that the Father, Son, and Spirit are constantly encircled in this divine dance with one another where they are knowing, where they are loving, where they are serving the other, where they are celebrating the other. It's a powerful image. And to know that you and I were made in that same image. Another way I would just simply put it is what we see in the nature of God is each one of them are constantly pouring out into the other and then being poured into by the other, almost like a water wheel effect. It fascinates me that this is also how God constructed the universe. We now know because the advantage of science we have here in the 21st century that the basic building block of everything and everyone is the atom. And this is what the atom looks like. There are three distinct yet common elements that work together, the neutrons, the protons, the electrons. They are constantly circling one another, pouring into, pouring out. And because of their interaction with each other, it produces who we are today. So the very nature of God shows up in the most basic building block in all of the universe. And I think that's intended to inform me and inform you what we were really made for and explains a lot of the yearnings of our heart.
Over in Genesis 1, verse 26, later on that chapter, then God said, let us, ooh, there must be several, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. Just like the Trinity, the perichoresis, this divine dance of God, you and I were made to be constantly knowing others, loving others, serving others, and celebrating others, and for us to be able to receive that in turn. That's why over in Genesis 2, the next chapter, said it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper, a companion. So God notices, he notices the loneliness in Adam's heart, and so God springs into action in order to remove the aloneness that he had. Then he gives Adam and Eve this phenomenal ability, supernatural ability, to help reproduce family members, friends, neighbors, and colleagues, all because of this divine circle dance. Later this afternoon, the whole Loveless clan will gather over at one of my son's house, and we do this pretty much every Sunday afternoon. We just bring in a lot of food and have a good time. Uh, and then it, really a lot of it is, is a prayer service. We are praying for God's favorite team, Dallas Cowboys, okay? And so usually they are in desperate need of prayer, okay? So we kind of encircle one another in that whole experience. But the reason why it's so life-giving is that when we're together, we're like in this divine circle dance that mainstream Orthodox Christianity knew from the very beginning of the Jesus tradition was what was most true about every single one of us. This isn't some weird new age concept. This is rooted in the very scriptures themselves and in each one of our lives. But we know in Genesis 3, the enemy comes along. He wants to sabotage those relationships. That's why we need to recognize that these days in our culture, like never before, it's predominantly about individuality instead of authentic community. God yearns for so much more for each one of us. Here's the one thing I think God wants to say to us today. You can experience the same life-giving community as God does. Where there, there is a distinction between Chris and myself, and yet we are so in relationship, we have a massive amount in common. And there's a unity. That's what God desires for each one of us. So let's break this down and make this really practical. Here are four different expressions of what it means to be an authentic community. Here are four different expressions in different ways that uh, this divine circle dances uh, uh, transpires. Here's the first thing, to know and be known. To know and be known. What that means is every one of us has a yearning to be known by other people to be noticed by other people, to be named by other people, and for us to be able to give that to other people as a gift and for us to be able to receive that as a gift ourselves. For someone or several someones in our lives that know our needs, know our preferences, know our likes, this is a really, really important deal. My wife, Crone, she grew up in a home where she would tell you, she never felt noticed. When she walked into a room, no one would even say anything to her. Her name was rarely, rarely used in their household. And she's an outstanding lady, <laughs> let me tell you. But she wasn't even valued like that, as something as simple as that. She never heard anyone ever say to her, we love you. That just wasn't a part of her growing up. 
And yet there was this yearning within her that we know is this divine DNA that comes from the likeness of the very one that created each one of us. People are dying to be known. Would you agree with that? People are dying to be known. People in Horizon West and Central Florida are dying to be known. However, some of us are concerned that if we let someone know us at deeper levels, perhaps we'll be rejected. Boy, I have felt that many times in my life. Where, what would happen if someone were to find out about my dark side? What would happen if someone were to get a key to my confidential failure file? Would they still want to know me, or would I end up being rejected by them? King David experienced this over in 2 Samuel 12. He had uh, had an adulterous relationship with this lady, and so he, he gets confronted. He finally comes forward. He begins to name and own a part of the brokenness that was there within him, but he was fearful that he would end up being rejected by his best friend as well as by God himself. But 2 Samuel 12, 13, David said to Nathan, his best friend, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin and you will not die. In other words, Nathan doesn't end up rejecting him. And then David discovers that God's not even rejecting him in his own brokenness and the rebellion of his own heart. I'm telling you, this is what every one of us has a yearning for, to know and to be known. I mean, to move deeper into this, that would mean that over time, you would have at least a handful of people in your life that would know the greatest high points, the five high points of your life, but also would know the five hardest times that you've experienced in your life. Chris Ogden and I, we know each other's high points, and we know each other's hard times and difficulties and failures in it all. And to be able to know people like that, you, you and I can't do that with everyone, but we can do it with a handful of people, not only in our family, but in a small group, in a life group, in a church just like this. That's God's desire for us, to know and be known. Second thing is to love and be loved. Another expression of this divine circle dance is to love and be loved. See, it's one thing for you to love me based upon my persona, based upon my public image. But I'm thinking, if you were to really fully know all of me, would you then still fully love me? Well, this is a part of what we see God demonstrating for us and wanting us to give as a gift to other people. Over in Mark 12, Jesus one time is asked to give the Cliff Notes version of Christianity. So like, Jesus, how would you boil everything you're talking about and demonstrate? How would you boil that all down and synthesize all that? And he said there in verse 30, and you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandments greater than these. Jesus was saying, listen, the most important thing is constantly giving and receiving the deepest levels of love that have nothing to do with you and I deserving it, but it has everything to do with the very nature that God has carved out in our soul and the souls of other people. Uh, a great author I have benefited enormously from. He was one of the greater writers in the 20th century. His name was Thomas Merton, and he said this one time, the beginning of love 
is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves, the resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. That's a significant thing. And when you and I can pull that off, I tell you what, we will express even more of the nature of God and be able to receive it for ourselves on so many meaningful levels. What most people don't realize is if you and I aren't regularly exchanging deep levels of love like this with at least a handful of people, you and I will slowly die on the inside over time. But when you and I can love and then be loved like that, something transformational happens. Again, my wife, Corone, she grew up in several different homes that uh, were broken, and her stepmom was the mom that was most present during her formative years. Uh, when I first came into the family and got acquainted with her mom, I went, Lord, I've never met anyone so angry and bitter and depressed, and she would regularly pour it out. She would rage on me. She would rage on Corone. And this happened for a number of years. She went through a period where she cut herself off completely from us. But then when we started having children, we started moving back toward her. We ended up discovering that she had gone through multiple affairs of the place where she worked, and she had really become very addicted to alcohol and to some other substances. And so what we did was we said, Joe, we would love for you to come and live with us. We know you've been through a lot of hardship, and we want to hold you compassionately. We know it's been hard. There wasn't any sense of judgmentalism coming from us toward her. She already knew. She already felt judged by her own brokenness. So we invited her into her home for the next several years, which was a major league challenge for me because she had a cat, and I don't like cats, okay? So that's a turnoff for some of you right off the bat there. So the next several years, we tried to help her have the experience of what it means to know and to be known and to love and be loved. And a few years after that, she ended up committing her life to Jesus Christ, becoming a part of the church that uh, we had founded and led for many years and served in extraordinary ways. In fact, <laughs> our, our children, our three sons, now say to Corone, we don't even recognize the woman you describe as your mother. She is so different today. But that's the transformational effect of what it means to know and be known and to love and be loved and to understand all of that. Um, back about uh, four or five years ago, we started a, a small group in our home that met on Saturday nights. We invited in a bunch of people that had been through some real, real difficulties in their lives. And so I kind of led off the group by, you know, so here's what we want to do. We want to be able to experience community together. We want to be able to better understand God and understand our own lives and uh, you know, live in life-giving uh, relationship with each other. So I started off the first couple of weeks talking about the good part of David Lovelace, the bad part, and the ugly part of David Lovelace. And I kind of opened up the file of my life. I felt safe to do that. Some trust had already been established. And so over time, everyone else then began opening up. We begin discovering that there are three different people that have been through divorces. A number of people were involved in sexual addictions of one kind or another. There were a number of people that had experienced financial failure in the businesses that they owned and they operated. But as we heard all that and took that in, we just learned how to hold each other compassionately. 
This is God's desire for us. We uh, let that group go this past year and we kind of uh, fulfilled what we felt like the purpose of that group was. And every one of the couples, there were like uh, seven couples, there were like 14 or 16 of us. Every one of them said, we've never experienced anything like this before in church or in our family. I'm thinking, this is God's heartbeat for every one of us. All in favor of that, say aye. Aye, okay, well, you're thinking about it. So what does it mean to know and be known, love and be loved, and then serve and be served? John 13, very familiar passage of Scripture if you've been around church very long. Then when Jesus had finished washing their feet, these were those that had been following him, he put on his clothes, he returned to his place. He said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, that's who I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set before you an example that you should do as I've done for you. So Jesus demonstrates that he came to be served, and yet the Gospels are filled with examples of how he allowed other people to serve him where it was okay. He came to serve, and yet he allowed himself in his full humanity, the same kind of humanity you and I have, he allowed himself to be served. I don't know about you, but I love to serve I feel uncomfortable when other people are trying to serve me. A couple of weeks ago, uh, one of our neighbors next door, his name is Rob. He and his wife moved in a couple of years ago. We started building relationship with them and trying to just have expressions of what it means to know and be known, love and be loved kind of deal. And they're not Christ followers. They're not churchgoers, anything like that. We've developed a fantastic relationship with them as well as our other neighbors. And so a couple of weeks ago, Rob comes over to my house on a Saturday morning. I've been out mowing the lawn. He said, David, I'm trying to figure out how I can help you. He said, I know for a fact you haven't mowed your own lawn in about 25 years. But recently you decided to start mowing your own lawn. And he said, I can see that you're struggling with this. (laughs) And he said, I've been analyzing how your grass is looking and the blades on your mower need to be sharpened. He said, I've already, you've allowed me to know enough about you. I know you're mechanically dysfunctional. David, you currently own two tools, and you don't know how to use either one of them. So let me sharpen the blades on your mower and show you how you can keep them sharp. So he took, we took him back to his workshop there and flipped my mower upside down. And, of course, I didn't even know where you would find the blade. I'm just I'm telling you, I come by it very natural. Now, here's the bizarre thing. We are in that neighborhood to serve him and his wife and others like them. And yet at the same time, there's this reciprocity that God desires for each one of our lives, not only to serve, but to be served. And then the last thing is to celebrate and be celebrated. What oftentimes is a challenge in the typical church, to celebrate and be celebrated, which means that you and I show up for one another's important life events. It means you and I cheer each other on to victory, even when we just wink in the right direction, that we have other people in our lives that are going, way to go. I see the heart. I see the effort that's there. It's not perfect, but it doesn't need to be perfect since none of us are to celebrate and be celebrated. This is exactly the nature of God for us. Ephesians are uh, over in uh, 
Zephaniah chapter 3 says, and God will take great delight in you, in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. God celebrates when you and I are operating out of the divine DNA he's placed within us. And when we find it difficult to do so, he holds us compassionately and still celebrates us. Over in Luke chapter 15, we've got these three different parables. First of all, there's a lost sheep. And it says, when the lost sheep gets found, there's a big celebration. Uses that word three different times. Then there's a lost coin. When the lost coin gets found, then there's a big celebration. Then when there's a lost son, the prodigal, probably the most famous story in all of history that most every culture knows. When the son returned home, wow, was there a celebration. You know why? Because that's a picture, that's a metaphor, that's an example of how your heavenly dad feels toward you and feels toward me. He rejoices over us with singing. When goodness appears in our life, when you and I are able to experience that in any single way. Celebration can look like so many different things. If I discover you've had a breakthrough in your life or in your home or in your business or in your finances or in some area of your life, what does it mean for me to just applaud you and go, way to go, that's fantastic. Or we have important life events and where we show up for one another's life events and we celebrate those significant markers that are there. After David conquered Goliath, they celebrated him over in 1 Samuel 18. It says, when the men were returning, the women came out from all the towns of Israel with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, and with timbrels and lyres. You know why? They were celebrating the fact that David took down his Goliath. There was great celebration in all. Let's go back to this Saturday night group. It's met in our home for four years. One of the guys in there, his name was Sam. Sam owns his own tree business. He's an arborist. And when you look at Sam, he looks like a big honking lumberjack himself. I mean, he's got a larger-than-life presence when he walks into a room. You know that Sam is there. He's cut out of a very, very rough cloth. That's why I loved he was a part of our group. For several weeks, we were studying, we were talking about uh, we were not only studying the Word, but we were allowing the Word to study us when it comes to holding other people compassionately, especially when they irritate us, when they just make us grit our teeth. Anyone in here have people like that in your life? Great. Three of us. Unbelievable. Wow. rest of you must live in the most luxurious of relationships. We now have a fourth hand. Okay. So we were studying this for several weeks, and Sam said, David, I, I just need to admit to you and admit to this group that, uh, you know, my wife and Misty and myself, every Sunday afternoon we go to the movies. And he said, I want it quiet when I'm in a movie theater. And if someone is talking or texting during the movie, I will say, hey, shh, shut it, okay? So he said, I'm a movie police. He said, it just comes down. Those things irritate me so much. And so, you know, we, we laughed with Sam, thought, okay, we want to make sure we're not in the movie theater where Sam ever is. And then several weeks later, we were still on this topic. Sam comes back and he goes, oh, I was a complete failure this week. And his wife actually called him out on it in front of the group because she knew that there would be acceptance there. She said, let me tell you what Sam did. Last Sunday, after our group had happened on Saturday night, 
We went to the movies, and sure enough, a guy three or four rows down was talking and texting, and Sam tried to get his attention, and then Sam always carried with him a red laser pen. So he would do that kind of motion on you like that to get your attention, and this guy wouldn't respond. So finally, Sam went, walked down to his row and said, hey, buddy, I need you to kind of zip it, okay? I'm trying to enjoy the movie. And the guy stood up and said, you want to take this outside? To which Sam replied in such Christ-like manner, absolutely, I want to take it outside, okay? So they go out in the lobby, and they start powering up on each other just verbally. And the manager of the theater had to intervene in all of that. So Sam and Misty tell us about that. It happened the week before. And we just held Sam compassionately. We went, Sam, we know what your heart is. But clearly God's still trying to do some work there in you, just like he is in each one of us. You're going to get there. And we prayed for Sam. A couple of weeks later, Sam came into our group on a Saturday. He was just beaming. He said, you won't believe what happened this last week. We were in the middle of this movie. And there were two people that were irritating me. And I was, I was able to let it go. And I began to imagine what kind of brokenness could cause someone to talk and text in a movie. Don't take that too far. But anyway, he said, I was able to end up enjoying the movie. Wow, this stuff works. You know how our group responded? We all stood up and clapped. We went over and fist bumped Sam. We hugged him. You know why? We were celebrating the fact he took down one of the Goliaths of his life. That's why the celebration was so important. You do know, don't you, that God wants you experiencing the same thing with himself. To know him and allow him to fully know you, to love him, to be fully loved unconditionally by him, to serve him. And yet the bizarre thing, God serves you and I every single day. Isn't that crazy? for us to celebrate him. That's what we've been doing in worship today. But then to turn around and be celebrated ourselves by him. If you're new here to Horizon West Church, I'm wondering if this is a place where you should hang your hat for a while. Can I tell you, this is the heartbeat of Horizon West Church. Is this kind of authentic community. And if you've been here for a while, and you're part of, uh, you know, those that kind of helped start, found all of this, can I just challenge you in the weeks and months ahead to find new ways of expressing this to the people you know in your life, in your marriage, in your home, your family, in a life group, where over a period of time you can see this kind of God-like community further emerge. Let's pray together. Lord, it's jaw-dropping to me <laughs> the way you've designed this whole thing. The three of you in community where you're so tight, you just look like one. And how you've built that into the universe and then how you've hardwired it into each one of our souls and our lives. Lord, I think all of us here have experienced some parts of this goodness in the past. And yet at the same time, we yearn to experience it even more and to allow others to have this experience. 
Lord, cause this church in the next few years to become known in this community and throughout Central Florida as a place where you can know and be known, love and be loved, serve and be served, and celebrate and be celebrated. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.